0: There is no time like the 2020s to start a company, to start a startup. You know, with the rise of the internet, you can learn anything at a very low cost, if not for free. You can build anything without needing to know how to code with tools like Bubble and Adalo. And you can get the word out about your products for free by using you know sites like Twitter, Product Hunt, and Reddit. There's no time. Like the 2020s to build a company, yet one element of kind of entrepreneurship and company building that hasn't caught up with the times is venture capital. Unless you live, you know, in San Francisco or New York, chances are you may know what venture capital is, but you may not really know how it works. You may not know who the good VCs are. And you may not know how they think. So with this podcast of forward thinking investors, I want to dive into this world. I want to help anyone in the world understand what is venture capital, who are the great venture capitalists and how do they think about their day to day with the goal to help more people understand how it works so they can go out and raise capital for themselves. And they can build a billion-dollar companies just like you know, Larry did at Google or Travis did at Uber or Katrina did at Stitch Fix. That can be you, but it just takes some education. And I'm using this podcast as a medium to teach everyone more about venture capital. So if you want to learn about it, you want to dive in, you want to meet some awesome investors, stick around, listen to some episodes, and I, and I hope you enjoy. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another interview of Forward Thinking Investors. We talk to investors about all things investing, markets, companies, and and all the like thereof. Today we have Aiden Gold on, who's a partner at Hyperquap. Welcome to the show, how's it going? Good, thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on the podcast. Looking forward to learning more about uh, your perspectives on all things investing. Um, but like I said, before we started recording, usually the first question is, how would you get started? What's your origin story, etc. But I, I got to ask you, your, your your fund name, your firm name, can you, one, say it for me, and two, walk me through, how'd you get the name of your fund? I'm just so curious. Yeah. So the name is Hyper Guap.
1: Um, for those that, that don't know, Guap is slang for money. And so we spun our fund out of uh, actually the Hyper Change YouTube channel. So that was kind of like where the name Hyper comes from. And so since we're in the business of giving away money, we use like kind of the sl- slang word for money, which is guat.
0: I love that. Is that um? I might get this. Ron might be someone else. Is that is the per- main person or one of the main people in that Hyper channel? Is that Gali? Golly? Ga- 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 yeah, Golly from Hyper Ga- Change. Yeah, I, it's so funny. He was like one of the first. Uh, guests that we had for Forward Thinking City, which was the original iteration of Seed Scout like three years ago. That's so funny. What a small world. No way. What was that podcast about? It wasn't a podcast. It was just, so I had a community of about maybe 100 to 120 founders all paying a small amount of money to just be a part of this group. It was right when COVID hit and everyone was just experimenting with stuff. And I went into, uh, I don't know, I, I I saw Gali, Gali, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Gally. Galley. I saw him online. I thought he was super interesting, so I asked him to come in, and he just came in, did an AMA for about an hour, and um, he really left a great impression on me, and I think on everyone else. And I, uh, yeah, it's been crazy to watch his growth. So I didn't realize you were part of the same universe, and you just spun out of that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's so. That's my. That's the Galley started Hyper
0: Guop, and that's like we kind of are working on it. Together. That's amazing. Amazing. Okay. So you're you're a partner at this at this firm. Um. How did you how did you get here? Have you been investing for a while? Is it, did he kind of just take a bet on you? Like walk me through how did you become an investor a partner at HyperWAP?
1: Yeah, so I've been wanting to get into venture capital for like about 8 years now. Um and I basically met Gally actually from his YouTube channel, HyperChange, when we were both living in New York and we were talking about startups and finance and everything that was happening constantly. Um, And then in like the middle of 2020, he was like, Hey, I'm putting together an SPV to, to invest in SpaceX. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is my dream. So that was like the first time that he kind of like worked to form an SPV. There was like seven or eight of us that pulled money together and were able to invest in SpaceX. And then kind of, a few months later, Gally was like, "Wait! All of his subscribers wanted to invest alongside him." After he talked about doing an SPV, investing in SpaceX, and he put it on his YouTube channel, everyone's like, "Hey, we want in!" Like, and so he's like, "Oh shoot, maybe I'll like launch a syndicate, call it Hyper Guap. Everyone can apply if you're a accredited investor, and then you can invest alongside me in my future deals." And so Galley kicked off uh, the first deal in like early 2021, an uh, SPV, and which I participated in and had like a thousand credit investors apply. There was like a bunch of people in the first deal. And after that, I was, he was like a little bit, I would say like overwhelmed just with dealing with so many people on the internet and managing all this. And at the time I was doing investor relations at a biotech startup dealing with institutional capital. Um, And so like kind of like fundraising for the startup. And I was like, let me help you out. Like, I'd love to do this on the side and just start working together. Um, And so then we started working together and we did from there like another since then, maybe 20 SPVs uh, deployed about $25 million and now we're investing on an $8 million fund.
0: Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. And I mean, as someone that's found some success in, in this investing world, it means you probably get founders hitting you up. Like you're, you're public. And I think I found you on Twitter, which means you got a persona on there. You might have personas, you know, and other, other kind of social networks. So I'm curious, like, let's say you get hit up by like 10, 20 founders in a month. What are the things that, that stick out to you? Or what are the things that you're looking for when you're evaluating opportunities, um, you know, that are the right for hyper
1: Yeah. I mean, generally like this is not always true, but um like we do a lot of hunting we think like, like like a lot comes inbound but it's like sometimes some of the best deals you have to go out and find yourself um so that's like a, a perspective that we kind of hold deeply is that like oftentimes you can't be reactive in this industry um and but in terms of like what we look for when people reach out i mean like we we look, always say like we don't fund uh like ideas and powerpoint decks most of the time like we want to see like real kind of business traction, revenue. Um, and if it's more deep tech where there really needs some capital investment, like ideally they've done some sort of de-risking. So it's not just like, hey, like we have this idea to do X, like give us money to do it. Um, and then like usually like it's all like the founder. And so like have the has the founder had an exit before? What's their background? Were they at Tesla or SpaceX? Are they like a world class engineer? Um, like, have they built a bunch of stuff in the past? Do they have the business acumen? And if they have all those things, and like, um, and the right people are kind of around the table, that really helps.
0: I feel like the the mindset of uh, of, we, of going out and hunting for deals, like scouting for deals, is something that gives you such an alpha. And I feel like a lot of large firms. Uh, whether, you know, they don't necessarily do that because they're so big, like partners at Andreessen Horowitz or partners at like Sequoia or whatever, they get flow all day and they get all their portfolio companies that are referring companies in. So I'm curious, like, how did you or your team, at, you know, at Heberwap, like, how did you kind of come to the realization that the best deals are found by you going out and scouting versus just doing what all the big ones do, which is just letting them come to you, which by the, by the way, I do think that is the best way to find best deal flow. But how did you kind of come to that realization versus just letting them come to you? Well, I think like, it's
1: kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, the deals that you often see, like are people who are more desperate for capital. So those are often you're like, oh, I don't really like a lot of these deals and the deals that you have to go and find, or that you reach out to someone, they're like, Hey, like you should meet this founder. And it comes from like a really close network, you know, someone in like the YouTube or Tesla community. That's where a lot of our really high quality deals come from, which is also our alpha and our offering is kind of like this Tesla, SpaceX kind of mafia community where we find a lot of entrepreneurs And when we get intros that way like that's where like a lot of the the best talent that we find is
0: totally i feel like the there's like a world of of founders there's like millions of founders but like if you don't have like you know inside knowledge on them or you don't have like a very strong vouch from someone in your network on them it's like it's hard to evaluate it's hard to know right um so right now what are some things going on in the world like whether it's markets whether it's technologies, whether it's people on the move, what are the things that are catching your attention? It doesn't have to be in the, in the, in the space of just investing, but just in general, um, what are you thinking about these days? And what's interesting you right now?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's like a some just massive shifts happening in the world where, you know, we're moving our supply supply chains away from China. We're looking to reshore. Um, supply chains are moving around. We're moving from the oil economy to like a green economy. Um, you have the proliferation of everything becoming like using software, AI, intelligence, um, data everywhere, and so I'm just like, there's just so many things that are like kind of like happening across so many different sectors that are kind of being interwoven, and. How, how do you kind of like, it's it's easy to kind of like spend time on Twitter all day and maybe get a little bit like, oh, all these, the future is happening right away. Like, look at all these things, but it's like really hard to actually like create something from nothing and turn it into like a $10 billion company where you actually realize value and it's fitting into society in a neat and effective way. And so I'm th- I've been thinking a lot about just like, okay, given everything that's like kind of unfolding geopolitically and economically and the technologies and the way things are going like what is really needed at the end of the day that's really solving like problems for humanity that people are like if that came along or really would want to pay for and my background's in biotech um so i was like very very like always thinking about the idea of You know, if you develop a therapeutic for a disease that has no cures, you know, that is something that humanity deeply needs, because you just eventually like essentially cure something that was previously had no cure, and now the rest of humans for all of history are now like don't have to have that disease. Uh, because you did that. And so those are like fundamental, massive advancements that can, you get paid for. So you're seeing like gene therapies, you know, charging like millions of dollars because you're curing someone of like blindness or, or some sickle cell disease. And so I think a lot about, okay, if you take that perspective from biotech where it's so needed because it's life or death, what are other things like that? Um, is it semiconductors? Is it metal? Um, is it like airplanes and how we build them or ships and how we build them? Things like that is like kind of
0: what I'm thinking about a lot. So it sounds to me just based on one, your portfolio, because I did some research before this and just what you're saying now, you lean more in the world, uh, world of of atoms versus bits when it comes to investing. Um, well, one, would you say, is that true or do you do a little bit of both? I guess the for the follow-up question is how do you... Like, because you're, you, you're in this space already, is it easy to do diligence on companies that are doing real hard tech or deep tech, or like, is it challenging to do diligence or what's that process look like to actually, when you find a really ambitious founder, they pass all the sniff tests, but they're just working on something crazy. How do you know if they can actually do it or not? Like, how do you vet that?
1: Yeah. And so I, I like, uh, definitely focusing on Adams, but we're not like, kind of like just Adams or, you know, like we're not kind of dogmatic like that. Um, and I think a lot of times like things that incorporate Adam's ambits are really interesting. Um, But I, I I do think there's just kind of like a need for more things in the physical world. And that is what interests me a lot these days. Um, But I will say like, there's still a lot of software to go after really unsexy industries that has been like untapped. Like one of our companies, blue cargo is making software for ports to just organize themselves better. Um, And you know, that like right now it's on like Excel spreadsheets and calling. And so just things like that. I still think there's a lot of interesting kind of applications on on the bits level Um, in terms of diligencing, like really hard tech companies it's, it's tough, you know, cause like we can't be an experts on nuclear science and material science and batteries and all that stuff. And sometimes the more, you know, about like batteries or something, the more you're like, this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you might miss some things. Uh, but I think what we come back to is like, is this the right person um, to be able to build this? Um, and so like for a company like Magarthea, that's looking to do metals without mining, bring magnesium metal back to the U S where 90% of it's in Russia and China. Uh, he previously built a company called lilac that was doing, uh, lithium abstraction. Um, and you know, that's company he's gone on to raise hundreds of millions of dollars and making great progress. So it's, you kind of are betting on like the, the jockey, not the horse. Um, and that's what you can really kind of do diligence on. Um, Cause it's like, I, I don't know all the details in some of these, you know, technical aspects.
0: I feel that I, ha- I have to ask, have you come across Augustus and uh, Rainmaker yet? Does that, do you know that company? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I've,
1: I've uh, hung out with Augustus a few times here in LA.
0: So like I had him on my podcast, I don't know, two months ago, maybe three months ago. And I feel like, like, this is someone who I I align with what you're saying. Cause like you hear him talk. And he's like out of his mind, but he kind of knows what he's talking about. Like he, he talks with authority. Like he taught, he taught, he uses specifics. He, 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 he has a big vision, but he actually like lays it out quite clearly. And I'm like, damn, like, I don't know anything about, you know, modifying weather, but if if someone does, it's it's probably you. So i mean, obviously that you have to do more due diligence than a conversation, but I do get the vibe of like, if you have, if you, if, if a founder really seems competent, you trust the founder to get the job done. You can't invest in the whole company in the beginning, you invest in the person to do it and hopefully they get it done. So I totally align with that.
1: And we're big believers too. Like you kind of can invest a little bit and then build position over time as you watch them execute and do things as well. And sometimes like you might just feel like this is the person to pull it off, but like you haven't, you don't know much if they can, or they're super early. So maybe you write them like a smaller check, but with the idea that you would build your position over time and some funds that we deeply admire, like follow this approach, like valor, um, that was an early investor in Tesla and SpaceX, like follows that similar approach of like building the position as your conviction increases.
0: So you might've mentioned this and if you did, I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but you, you mentioned that in 2020 or 2021, that's when you first started diving into investing and now you're a partner at Hyperloop. R- remind Oh yeah. You said you were investor relations at a biotech company before then, right? Is that... Is that was that where you were before you started kind of in this world
1: yeah exactly so i was running investor relations for a biotech startup that was aiming to
0: solve the oregon shortage so um, how did you get like going back to the beginning of your time in tech Like i guess how did you break into tech not necessarily van- venture capital but everyone has their story of getting their first kind of like opportunity was that your first opportunity if not how did you kind of get into this industry
1: yeah, so I was uh, right out of the kind of school. I was working at a basically like a biotech agency, helping small biotech startups with their like, missions. So working on kind of their you know data readouts, their big financings, their IPOs, um, drug approvals, things like that. Um, and then we started working with some really cool clients. And then EGenesis happened to be one of those clients. Mm. Um, so joining them and helping them out go on to raise like a series B, a series C, and get see the company grow from like 20 employees to hundred employees and validate our work in uh, non-human primates. So that was super exciting.
0: That makes sense. So I kind of have a two-prong question. It's kind of, they rhyme, but they're they're a little different. So you've been in tech for a little bit. I mean, I've been in tech since 2014. And if I want to look back at when I first got into tech, I feel like there's a million things I would tell my 2014 self about this industry that would give, give the former me uh, an edge. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, do you have any advice, um, or kind of thoughts on if you were to do it all again, what would you do differently knowing what you know now, would you navigate something in a different way? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess let's just start there. How would you do things differently? If at all, if you could go back in time with what you know now.
1: Yeah. I think the the main thing that I would have, uh, maybe done differently is taking a bit more risk earlier on, try to start things, do, do more. I think a lot of what I was doing was, you know, like opportunistic, like side opportunities, always had like two jobs going. Like that was always my thing. Cause like if you had one job, you were just going to be slower. If you had, if you didn't have two. So I was like always doing like, maybe like a side project or, you know, a venture analyst at a family office and trying to just help analyze deal flow or something. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I wish I would have taken some like bigger swings that like really could move the needle on the side instead of just trying to like level up and get experience. Um, so that would be probably my like thing that comes to my mind.
0: Totally. I, I almost uh ironically, I would say I have like the opposite experience. I took a little like too much risk in the beginning, so much risk where I just like put a lot of some of my finances at jeopardy. Uh and I'm like, like I've you know if I wouldn't have taken all that risk, I wouldn't have met the people that I met and done what I've done. and I don't know regrets, but like, I always think it's just like, how do you find that medium between like take just enough risk to, to get what you want, but not so much where you end up like on the side of the street or like, you know, just like you, you wreck your life. Um, there's well, no, there's no everyone's different, but it's just like, I took way too much risk when I first started, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'd take a little less. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I, I feel like I was always like, uh, kind of playing the long game and like and i was always like oh like i don't want to like go for the startup because like if i failed and it's like oh you know and so yeah. I was like, i'm gonna level up and do like venture on the side and then try to like you know use that to get into biotech and then maybe start my own or like join another fund after that basically so it was always like doing more strategic moves and like look it led me to where i am today and i'm like extremely happy with that and super grateful but i do think that like you know i look at some young people that just went for it um, and those are the people I admire most, you know, the people who like really went for it. I mean, obviously they're the ones that are like, it's kind of working out for. Um, and so it's like easier And like a lot of people, it's like extremely hard. Um, but those are just the people I respect the most, the people who kind of went forward
0: and are doing it. Yeah, totally. If you have a vision and nothing that you don't want anyone to stop you, you just do it. You know, you do your best and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I, I agree. I, I have utmost respect for, the, for these founders as well. Um, I do have one other question, uh, kind of similar to the last, you know, you've been an investor for a little less time than you've been in tech, right? Like, you know, you just started several years ago. But in in that time, what have you learned about investing? Is there anything that you thought was a a thing when you first got started that you now find is is wrong? Or anything that you, or almost the opposite of that? Anything that you thought wasn't important, but is um, in in, in the realm of investing?
1: Yeah, I don't think I realized how patient you have to be. and how like long-term these things are in nature for startup investing. I was like, oh, it's going to be great. You make these, but like, wow, like you really are waiting for like these long time horizons. And a a lot of times you're not doing deals and you're kind of just sifting around figuring out how to be useful, um, how to like find opportunities. But it's like very different than operating where it's just like, go, 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 go every single day. You know, where VC is kind of like, you know you, you're kind of on like an island more and you kind of have to figure out like how can you make the most use of like the resources that you
0: have and make it like kind of effective totally um and then if you were to kind of look out into the future i don't know like even like 10 years maybe you know shorter longer whatever you want do you kind of see yourself like wanting to like start your own firm and grow with with hyperwop? not sure like i'd be like do you want to like Go back and do a startup in, in 10, 20 years. Like, how do you kind of see your career in tech unfolding, you know, if you can?
1: Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, it would be like crush hyperguap for 10 years and really like do it right um and execute and return capital for our LPs, invest in generational companies that make a difference for uh humanity and that just make something useful. Um, and I want to prove to like myself that. I can do that. Um, and that takes a long time. It's not something you can just do for, you know, two to three years. And, you know, if all things go well, hopefully we, I, I can do it for that long. But I think at, at that time horizon, you know, maybe around like seven, eight years, like I, there are some things that I'd like to do uh, whether that's like something kind of like Praxis, which is like, you know, new city type stuff yeah. really in. and then also really interested in new educational models whether that's like new colleges and things like that um but I kind of want to be able to bankroll a lot of it myself um and take a lot of that risk cuz I just think that those ideas are really kind of out there um and yeah that's kind of how I'm thinking about it
0: I love that I uh I mean it's, it's so funny um Dryden uh I, I, I if that's how you pronounce his name he joined forward thinking city uh when i started it three years ago and at the time praxis were called blue book cities and it's yeah. just great it's crazy um it's crazy what he's built and like, it's it's not even like it's not even a city yet but it's like a movement right it's like people want to be a part of this and you got the, the the steel steel visas and i'm just like man good for him like that's that's crazy <laughs> but i love it
1: i mean he is a force of nature and willingness to new existence and like you know you it's easy to be from the cheap seats and be like i think like talk shit But, like, quite frankly, like, what he's been able to do and show that this is kind of possible, like, he's really putting the idea of, like, a network state. Like, this is how you do it. He's making it happen. He's on the ground. Um, So, yeah, I just have tons of respect for Dryden and
0: what he's doing. Yeah, I do, too. Well, my, my last question for you before, before we call it a day is what is an, you kind of already answered this, but I'll give you an opportunity for this specific question. Like, is there an opportunity that you're just begging for a founder or a company to solve? And if so, like, what is that opportunity or that problem? Um, you know, if you just had a wish list of like, oh, if this was solved, I would back these people immediately. Anything on that list right now?
1: Yeah, there's I would say three things that like are really interesting to me. One is shipbuilding. I kind of talked about that earlier. We have a huge ship like I think we make one ship for every 34 ships uh like China builds or something like that. Mm. Um so like we've completely lost our shipbuilding capacity. Uh number two is something in agriculture and our food supply that can make it a lot more secure. I think it's been our agriculture is very like from the industrial era. And it hasn't been automated with robots and software and efficiency. And I'm actually weirdly concerned about our like food supply. I think we take it for granted that there's just always food and we're just used to that. Um, And maybe I'm just being paranoid, but I do think it's not something that people are thinking a lot about. And if something were to happen with the climate or certain farms or who knows what, I just think that's really key. And the last one is water um i mean that's why i really liked what augustus was working on um but we just need to like secure a water supply indefinitely and a lot of that's going to become from desalination or you know rainmaker making it rain um uh, more but we just need to secure our water supply
0: i i feel that i live in arizona and they say that we're running out of water i, I believe them so uh, someone's got to figure something out for sure <laughs> yeah um, so uh, well I appreciate you coming on if someone wanted to connect with you either online or you know any way that you prefer, how can someone connect with you? Do you have Twitter, email, like a blog like how can someone connect further? Yeah, the best way to
1: connect with me is on uh, X or Twitter. Um, Mr. Goldbro, that's my Twitter handle.
0: My DMs are open. Um, always checking them. So if you want to reach out, would love to talk. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I think your kind of worldview and in investing is fascinating and I'm looking forward to watching your success over the next decade. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. 100%. Have a good rest of your day. You too.